Today, I talked to my guest, a creative insubordinate, about how and why he challenged the existing education system to create a program designed to help young kids thrive emotionally, teaching them to tap into their true potential early in life for long-term success and happiness. Hear about how he created a unique solution for a broken system instead of turning a blind eye, and what this program for kids means for you as an adult. Welcome to Lit, a podcast dedicated to changemakers who want to lead, inspire, or transform the world for the better. My name is Ravi Tour. I'm a straight shooter with a no BS approach. This podcast is meant to be thought-provoking, to get your attention, and mostly, I want to encourage change and movement from folks just like you and me. I'll cover things like world issues, mindset, and theory. So stick around, tune in, and let your mind be the map to your revolution. Welcome to episode 21 of Lit. My name is Ravi Tour and I'm your host. I am so excited to get started with today's episode. I have an awesome guest with me today, Matt Boudreau from Acton Academy Placer. He's going to tell you more about who he is, but he is the founder and CEO of Acton Academy and he's a keynote speaker doing amazing things with youth and really pushing the envelope when it comes to helping youth achieve emotional intelligence, finding their inherent greatness. Matt's going to rock in and tell us a little bit more about who he is before we get into the interview. Go ahead, Matt. Happy you are. You're a rock star. Thanks, man. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, I do. I wear two. I wear two hats, right? So, I'm the founder, the owner of Acton Academy Placer, and, and uh, we are K through 12 out here in Northern California. And then I'm a, a keynote speaker, and I'll deliver 50 to 60 keynotes a year uh, to clients all around the world. And so, you know, all this really got started with my background in education and being a public school teacher, a public school administrator, private school teacher, private school administrator. And, you know, and I was implementing things that I always, you know, I was always what I call creatively insubordinate, right? So I was always getting my hand slapped because I was doing things that I saw were being effective, but it wasn't perpetuating the status quo. Uh, so I was always kind of butting heads with my, with my bosses, with my principals, with other administrators, you know, uh, district leaders and things like that. So, um, you know, but it was me speaking out and doing things differently and having results that really led to kind of this organic um, request from other schools and other districts around the world to say, hey, would you, you mind coming in and kind of talking to us about that, about what you're doing and some of your ideas? And so that really kind of snowballed to where I was, you know, kind of getting requested quite a bit to speak in education. Um, and what I was doing in education ended up doing a, a TEDx talk in 2015. And um, that work ended up mapping quite well with a research organization that's now doing similar kind of paradigm shifts in Fortune 500s. Um, so now that's what I do for a job is I'll go speak to the Fortune 500s. That's what I get paid to do. Um, and then when I'm home, my other job is, uh, you know, building Acton Academy Placer, where we're the fastest growing educational resource center in Northern California. Um, so life is is busy, man, but it is beyond good. Yeah, busy. Amazing. It sounds like like let's not, you know, let's not belittle it too much. It it's sounds ph- pretty amazing. It's phenomenal. I mean, really is. I'm very blessed to be able to do what it is that I do. And 
Um, you know, I drink enough coffee to kill a horse and that's how I, you know, keep going half the time because sleep definitely comes at a premium. Haven't slept in a few years, but, um, it's all things that I absolutely love. And, and there are, you know, it's two sides of the same coin, really, you know, we're talking about innovation with these kids and, and, you know, working on their mindset and bringing self-confidence and self-awareness and all those things that are going to make them great leaders. And then I get to go out and connect with all of the current leaders who are telling me, hey, this is what I want to see from the youth. And this is what we're not seeing from the youth that are coming out of traditional programs. And so, you know, the two the two sides of my life really come together um, in one big, beautiful melting pot of personal development for these young kids, you know. And so I'm very blessed to be kind of the medium that allows that to happen. Yeah. And I, you know, to be honest, I, I, you know, major transparency here, you guys, I had the opportunity to meet Matt actually in a Facebook group that was for Gary Vaynerchuk. We're both yeah. Gary fans, right? Big yeah. Vayner fans. Yeah. Um, but we met and I fell in love with you and the story and everything you were promoting because it was linked directly to kids. And so for yeah. a lot of you li- listeners, I have a background with youth work, right? So my background started in psychology with youth and working with high-risk teens. And your program actually yep. really speaks to not only that area, but just taking kids out of the structurized kind yeah. of teaching method and giving them the opportunity to bloom into yep. who they were meant to be without yep. constraining them, right? Bingo. That's exactly it. I mean, people ask all the time, like, what is your curriculum? You know, and I tell them all the time, the curriculum is self-awareness. The yeah. curriculum is self-confidence from actually having done things that matter, right? Not just getting a grade on an algebra test. The curriculum is personal responsibility and understanding that, you know, you are going to have the ability to build your life, learn how to provide, learn how to pursue and learn how to put those together to build the life that you want, right? Like that is what, that's exactly what we're doing. And that's one of the reasons that I, you know, I appreciate Gary so much is, is for that kind of message that he brings um, is, is that message of personal responsibility and, you know, pursuing who you are. And he always says, double down, triple down on your strengths. And we very much believe that for the kids. In fact, I had a conversation with him. Um, we went live on IG together and, and I were chatting and, you know, I was telling him about the school, his quote, which I'm definitely going to be using for my book is he was, are you kidding me? He goes, now that's a school I would have fucking gone to. Yeah. And I was like, cool. There you go. Done. Done deal. All right. We're doing something right. You know, as an adult, all I could think about today was how you guys are absolutely quadrupling down on skills that these kids yeah. have, inherent skills, not skills we're trying to build out of them because let's get straight. Who fucking uses algebra today unless, you know, there's, there's a minor percentage who love it, right? But at the end of the day, that's not what you're, most of us are doing. We're doing things that hopefully we would like love, right? And that's what this whole podcast is about is getting you guys, the ordinary folks to get out of the slumps of your life, whatever that looks like, getting out of the social constraint and into what you love, but you're doing it as a fucking adult. And so what you're doing is you're conditioning them the way they are versus having to recondition. I mean, you're basically putting me out of business in the future. (laughs) And that's the goal. I mean, that's the point. That's the point. That's exactly the point. And you're exactly right. And that's because, you know, there's the reason the work that you do is so important is because we have millions upon millions upon millions of people who are exactly like you said, they're struggling. They're in this rut. They realize that their life has been laid out, you know, for them and they've been told what to do and when to do it. And, you know, they get to these, they become 40, they become 50 and they go, ugh. I regret because I didn't. I wish I had. I wish I had known this about myself, right? They're having these conversations and there's so many people that need 
people like you to help them get out of that rut. And so my job, like you said, is on the other side of that to go, okay, well, let's get this group of kids to where they don't have to face that ever. Like, let's start now so that by the time they leave us, they, I'm not saying they're going to have it all. We're not a panacea. They're not, it's not, everything's figured out at 18 years old, but you better believe they have a better idea of who they are than they would if they'd gone anywhere else. And they have a great idea of what their strengths are. They've tried a number of things. So they know what kind of things they don't like, which is equally as important. And more importantly, they've got the confidence in themselves that they know how to learn and they know how to adapt because the reality is things are continuing to adapt. And if you don't adapt, you're going to die. And that's, you know, they understand that and they understand their ability to, to navigate those kind of scenarios that are inevitably going to be facing all of them. And so they don't have those regrets. They're able to just push forward. That's what we're doing. Absolutely. That's amazing. So before we get into that, because as you can tell, we can, you guys nerd out on this topic all fucking day long. So we can go. So before we get into that, let's get into a bit more of your story. And You know, so you've had a, you have stayed in the education realm of things since you graduated. So you didn't move. So this is not a story about someone who moved out of something that they were used to and into something completely different. You stayed and what you saw was a problem. And so you're self-proclaimed envelope pusher, big mouth. Yep. Hello. I think yep. he just, yep. he basically just why. described me, right? Yeah. So I mean, at the end, <laughs> that's why we get along so well. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. But yeah. These are your kind of key traits. You saw a problem, then you utilize these. What what was the big problem that kind of got you or what was the thing that pushed you to realize that there was a problem and there was a change? Yeah, I mean, there. you know what? There was a number of things. There was kind of this progression. So even before I went into teaching in public schools as, as a teacher, I was working in higher ed, right? So I worked at a very well-known university yeah. um, and, and got to start to see the game. I mean, and talk about timing. Like we're seeing a little bit in the news right now about the game that's played in higher ed, right? And, and you know, Lori Laughlin and that whole thing. Yeah. And, but so I was started to see that kind of game, and that's only the tip of the iceberg, right? At the at higher education, and going, wait a second, okay, so this is more about money than it is about kids, and there's a game being played in multiple levels, and you know, and so that in and of itself was like, okay, well, that's good to know from a, you know, hopefully a future parent perspective, I'm sitting here going, okay, this is good to understand the game. And, um, but that's also being there is what got me into wanting to go into education in the first place. So then I go into teaching and as I'm teaching these young kids and I was in an area of California was, um, you know, kind of a poor area where a title one school was a gang infested community. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm connecting with these kids and I am changing their lives and their outlook and, and from a personal relationship but I'm being told that what I'm doing is not being effective because I wasn't worried about, you know, my, my 16 year old that was being told to go home and sell drugs from his front porch. I wasn't worried about getting him proficient in algebra. I was worried about changing his mindset. Yeah. Right. But I was told that I was doing something incorrect, even though I was seeing the tangible fruits of his life being changed. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to go into administration is, is what I was thinking as the young, naive teacher. I'm going to go into administration and that's going to allow me to change things. So then, you know, as I get my, my administrative credential and you start learning the ins and outs a little more of, of, you know, the system that is traditional public school, you start going, wait a second. So this is about money. This is about politics. This is more about, yeah, it's more about that than it is about the kids. And there's no, 
no development, you know, here, there's no, there's no mindset development. There's no real human development, personal growth. Like none of that matters here. So what, you know, what are we doing? So then of course I thought, well, then private's got to be better. And you see that private schools end up a lot of times just mimicking public. Right. And so I just kind of went down this rabbit hole. And so eventually I got to the point where I'm like, man, why are we doing if this is so ineffective and we're seeing the ineffectiveness and how it plays out. The entire country is going, something needs to change with our schools, but nobody's doing anything, right? So I'm like, why are we Why are we so ingrained in this system? And so then I go down the rabbit hole of you know, trying to figure out how we got to where we are in the first place. And why does the system look like this? And when you start to really dive into that, which are all, you know, it's all research is easily accessible, but you'll never hear it, you know, when you're getting your teaching credential, but you see, it's never been about kids. Traditional schooling has never been about kids, it's been about conformity. Um, and, and it's never been about creating thinkers or self-confident people or self-aware people. It's never been about that. It's been about creating conformity. Um, and when I figured that out, I said, okay, well then my personal integrity, I can't keep doing that to these kids. And I sure as hell won't do it to my own children. Um, who are, you know, coming of school age at that point. So, you know, we've, we said, okay, we're either going to homeschool or we're going to figure out something different. And I just, my heart couldn't let me not create something for the community in which I live. Um, and so that's, that's what prompted us to, to do what we're doing. Wow. So you basically, you, you are a true through and through change maker, right? You see a, an issue, you realize it's systemic. It's not just Right. within a certain core area. It's not right. because it's, you know, the ghetto or, I mean, yeah. that story right. about, you know, the rich, just a few weeks ago too, you guys, the rich paying way for kids to get into higher and higher. I mean, think about what that does for the fucking kid too, right? They, there's like massive impacts here. And so what you did was you saw these impacts and you realized the ripple effect is is outrageous. It is outrageous. You're right. And it's, and you're exactly right. It's not just, you know, we talk about, oh, well, the underserved population, right? And we talk about that from like the perspective of it's our poor communities. They're the underserved kids in these poor schools. I mean, I would almost make the case that it's our richer schools Abs. with our affluent communities that they're the most underserved because we're telling them that you just play this game and you're going to be okay. And you got more kids coming out of there that are depressed and overwhelmed and struggling and have zero self-confidence, right? So it's a systemic underserving and it's, a, you know, it's creating a cultural ripple effect really throughout our entire country. Yeah, um, we've been feeling it for a long time, you know, and yeah. we're just continuing to feel it. And so that's why it's like, you know, I don't, I'm not a big believer in complaining, but I think you complain by creating something different. You create by, you, you complain by fixing, um, you know, and creating a better model than whatever it is you're complaining about. So um, that was, that, yeah. that's why. Yeah. yeah. And I'm hearing like you basically took a really, uh, you know, what one could, would consider a very subjective kind of scenario. There's a lot of emotion involved in here and you being a dad, right? Like you could yeah. have just been like, fuck it. Or you yeah. could have been like, well, I guess I'm moving to a new place where there's yeah. better schools and yeah. better programs. Right. Or right. Right. you take a look, get objective you do your rabbit hole because it's possible. It, it has to sure. kind of happen. And then you get sure. objective about what it is that needs, you know, change and make that complaint with a solution, right? That's, that's the other part. That's exactly it. It's, I, I, complaining is useless. You figure it out, you stay objective and you create the solution. That's exactly it. And that's, you know, because this is an emotional subject, we're talking education, we're talking kids, you know, it's, it's in a very emotional thing, but what I, I, 
you know, part of what we try to teach the kids that we have is in situations like that, we need to, as, as human beings, try as much as possible to step back out of that emotion and try to look at things objectively, because that's how we're going to really see the big picture. That's how we're going to be able to eloquently explain what it is that we believe and why we believe it. It's how we're going to be able to genuinely listen to somebody who's got a different point of view than us. And even if we, at the end of the day, don't agree with them, we can still walk away friends, right? None of that happens unless we're able to have a conversation objectively. And when we do that and we take the emotion out of it, we create more of a a binary interaction. The reality is we can move a lot of things forward. We can find a lot of common ground. We can get back to civil discourse. And that's how change actually happens. Yeah. And you talk about change, but it's not about moving forward only. It's about moving forward fast, right? Like this, what you've been able to accomplish didn't obviously happen overnight. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. We're only, I mean, you know, what's funny is actually two years uh, to the, no, I'm sorry. Three years to the day today is when I filed our, our papers to actually become wow. an LLC. And so we're only in our second year of operation and we are, you know, I've got a, um, we're, we're about to buy a brand new campus that'll house all of our kids. And we, um, have a, have a long wait list and are really having to already consider a second campus here in the area. So yeah, it's, it's been about moving fast and, and, you know, always, not moving recklessly. Um, and we've made mistakes along the way, but trying to fix those mistakes as we do it and just continuing to move forward. You know, I think too many people get stuck in that analyzation period and never actually do anything. So, um, and I just, I don't, I don't have the patience for that whatsoever. Well, happy anniversary. So serendipitous, obviously not planned, but I want to kind of go back to that piece that you were talking about in terms of acting fast, but not recklessly, but taking action right? And so taking that action, regardless of that analytical moment that we all have, do I do it? Do I not? Do I need to do more research? Do I not? But part of what you were saying there was also not recklessly in terms of having intent, right? And it being good intent and then believing, I'm I'm assuming there's some belief that it's going to work out. Bingo. I think all of that, everything you just said is so important. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think this happens without the inherent belief systems that are driving this, right? Like those are foundational. I truly believe uh, we are all meant for something greater than 99% of us ever find out. I really believe that as, as human beings, I think the majority of us will have regret um, as to not living the life we are meant to live. And I've always felt like that since I was, since I was younger. And so this is part of that is, um, you know, I feel like I'm on my hero's journey, so to speak, of of unleashing that potential in, in the youth. Right. And so there's that belief that I think transfers. So it transfers to our community. When I talk to these kids about how much I believe in them, or when I talk to my guides, my staff about how much they are changing the world. And I talk to our parents about how much, you know, they are inspiring me by jumping into this, which is, you know, something that the culture tells them is, is, dangerous is risky is an experiment right when um the reality is that you know i know it's not it's that belief that i think is driving that and driving that speed right and then you know you're right you got to be okay with the fact that you know everybody thinks that a journey like this is a linear sort of thing where you just kind of continue and it's there's no way i mean you kind of go this way and then you go back this way and you go no whoops over here and then you go oh wait here and it's right and it kind of just does this but The point is, at the end of the day, you're way the hell up here as opposed to down here. You just have to move 
forward. You know, I always tell people a lot of times I end up, I'm going down eight or nine paths on any one topic at the same time, waiting to see which one illuminates itself as the one that I need to be on. Oh, that's, that's oh, it. What a great descriptor. That, that idea or the ideology that the light will be given or will be shown, you will see your path. It is yep. so accurate and you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to belong to religion for that. You don't have to belong to any certain sect for that. You legit will yep. experience that if you're on the path of believing in what you do and you legit, it's got to have some good intent in it because when yep. there isn't good intent, you kind of have to forge it on your own and it's not as illuminating as you might think, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You have that good intent and that's what's going to draw other, the right people to you as well and, and continue on this journey together. And it's got to have action, good intent and just, you know, being hell bent on taking one step forward every single day. You know, I always, I used to talk to my brother all the time. He's like, man, I just, you know, you've got this great wife. I've never met the right lady. And I'm like, yeah, cool, man. But you're sitting on your couch all day and you just think she's going to show up kind of thing. Right. And it's the same kind of thing. Your dream doesn't come to you. Your journey doesn't come to you when you're sitting there doing nothing of substance. You've got to move forward. Um, you know, and I think that's it. It's just it's being cognizant of taking a step forward every day. Oh God, being, co- I love it. Okay. So this is, this is going to be, this is probably my most epically favorite episode. Shh, don't tell everybody oh, else guys. God. Don't tell everybody else, <laughs> but let's talk about taking that action, pushing that envelope. Yeah. Okay. So when yeah. you first took it, when you first decided this is kind of where you were going to go, and I'm sure it was sure. quite premature in its developmental uh, stages, but you knew you were going somewhere different. What are the pushbacks you kind of got? What were the kind of oh, the obstacles yeah. you experienced that really <laughs> would define yeah. challenges? Well, yeah, you're, you're exactly. And that's, that's the, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, all right, well, I'm going to start this. And even my wife, who is just ridiculous to support. I mean, she's ridiculously supportive. She's amazing. She's the reason that this is all able to happen, right? Because oh. she is, she's held down the fort with the family while I've been able to put, I mean, she is the fullback that's leading the way for me to go get the touchdown mm-hmm. for the family kind of deal, right? So, but even with her, it was like, okay, I mean, I support you, but how are the, what about this? How is this right? There's the immediate questions because there's a fear and I get that, right? So I get it from the home front and then, you know, I get it from extended family. I remember the first time I told my mom, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to go ahead and start one. That's what I'm doing for, for our kids. Like I'm going to build this. And she's like, okay okay, I know you can do it, but are you sure that's a big step? What about the security of your job, right? Like she's got the parent mentality. And and then the people at my work, I'm working in a traditional school at that time. And I'm, you know, I told the other administrators, hey, just to give me a, you know, a heads up, I'm going to finish out the year, but I've got to go do my own thing. I've got to go build this. This is what I think, you know, I, we're not going to be able to do this as an organization. I'd love to do it here. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. And there's too much pushback. I'm going to go build this. So from that standpoint, all of a sudden I became the enemy, right? Like all these people that I had gone to battle with were like, oh, well then forget you what you're on another team now, you know? And so for the last few months, I was the enemy parents Some parents started to hear that I was, was leaving. I was the enemy. So I legitimately lost friends because of the fact that I wanted to build something that I thought was better for the community and not even from a selfish perspective. I still to this day take no money from this project. This is my legacy. This is for my kids. This is for my community. This is for, you know, Gary always says, I want to see how many people show up to my funeral, right? It's that same thing, man. I want people to, you know, I want my children to be inspired by the fact that their dad was legitimately a good person. I want that. And that, you know, whether that's a fault or if it's a, a 
you know, a positive or negative, I don't know, but I want people to understand that you can be a good person and give back and change the world. Right. And I lost friends over it. So talking about obstacles man, those, the relationship obstacles are always the hardest. Of course, there's obstacles in business. The state of California has no business. They, they want nobody creating anything other than the monopolized traditional public school. They want nobody else taking anything. So of course there's business pushback too, but it's those relationship pushbacks that I think where a lot of people, they get those initially. And that's why people stop pursuing whatever it is they want to pursue because they let those people closest to them get in their head. And there was no way in hell that was going to happen. Yeah, no. And that, that emotion, it's funny because that, that piece where you talk about your mom, especially, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk about sweet response, right? Yeah. My mom was very yeah. similar. Sure. Okay. But what about your security? What about your oh, retirement? Yeah. What about, well, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? Right. And all those pieces. Yeah. And yeah. what that is, what that signals to me is that is a hyper conditioned response, right? Let's all For they sure. know. Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. It's hyper hyper conditioned is the perfect term for it. We are hyper conditioned to go for security, to go for that 401k, to go for the safe job, to, you know, go to conform. We're hyper. It's to conform. conform. Yeah. We're hyper conditioned to conform in every sense of the word. And so anytime you step outside of those boundaries, it scares other people. Absolutely. Which then... In essence, it's supposed to scare you. It's supposed exactly. to freak the shit does. out of you. And it does. I mean, it does for most people. Yeah. You know, I think that's, I think it really does, you know, and that's, that's why we, and I've, you know, I sit, I get a chance to, to work with these organizations around the world and I'll sit down with the CEO of some large organizations who are saying, man, you know, I'm, I'm bummed. Like this is, I make a lot of money. I've got a great position. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. I've never wanted, this was always the path of least resistance for me. This was laid out for me and I don't want, you know, I have no desire to ever have that feeling in my life period. And I don't want to be that example for my kids either. You know, anytime, anytime I ever caught a challenge where maybe take a step back, whether it was, you know, family pushback, whether it was the government pushback, whether it was, you know, trying to search for, you know, zoning regulations, trying to search for a building for the school and all those kind of things. It was like, ugh, just continuous kicks. And anytime where I'm like, man, okay, well, this sucks. Then I just remember who's watching, right? And I've got these three little people who are watching me navigate this and I'm setting the foundation for their mindsets because they're looking at, okay, well, how does dad handle this? Does dad move forward on this? Does dad give up? Does dad push through? Does dad stay positive through this? Does dad believe in himself? Because I'm, you know, that's becoming their inner voice. Uh, so I'm not giving up because if I give up, then their inner voice tells them it's okay to give up too. And I don't want that for them, you know? So um, putting all that into perspective uh, makes a big difference. Yeah. And then as you're talking about that, the influence, the impact doesn't even just stop there. And then you're influencing your wife, right? Who's kind of, she's go. there, support. She's totally oh. wanting to support you. But then there's yep. also those real yep. fears, you guys. These are not unrealistic yep. fears because the reality is there is, we are set up by social constructionism, right? At the totally. end of the day, there are, you need that money. Totally. That's what makes it go round, right? right. right. So you got to have that security. You got to have those benefits. I mean, as a teacher, you got to have those fucking benefits. And now you're jumping out, right? You got two kids. Is yep. that correct? I got three. Three kids. You got three kids. Yep. You got a wife. And these guys yep. need care at the end of the yep. day, right? So if yep. you decided to just say, fuck it, I can't do this anymore, that would highly impact her, right? I mean, For she's sure. the one who's like backing you <laughs> up. So For sure. For sure. And she's heard me do it before. And she's always, you know, so I mean, she did. She stayed supportive. She 
she always has a lot of trust in that, but it's a natural, it's a natural sort of fear. But, you know, I mean, like I said, she's the reason it works, man, because she never once doubted it. She wanted to throw out and make sure everything's okay. You could tell she was you know, it's like, okay, okay. But at the end of the day, she's like, I trust you. That's all. What can I do? You know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. Man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. your, your biggest obstacles were relationships. Um, yeah. the, the, you know, becoming the outcast in the education yeah. system that you are yeah. in, because I mean, sure. you're totally going, you're basically challenging what all teachers know and yeah. may have something within them that they wanted to do to create change, but they just never figured it out. And you're that outcast, right? So there's a whole bunch of reasons why you're hated. Um, yeah. You've got you, you've got relationships in your family and so forth that are kind of putting you it's kind of in it in a mindset that could otherwise lead you to failure. And then you're in a city, in an area, geographical location where your dreams are not supported by the government by any means. You're 100% right. Right? So you should have just packed it in, but you didn't. What pushed you through it other than your need to create a legacy, which is extremely important? But what else? Something internally. Yeah, it is internal. It is so, you know, I, I credit all of this to so many things before I, it's a, it's a, um, you know, it's been this perpetuating cycle. And so, um, you know, I didn't grow up in a great, my mom has always been phenomenal. My dad was not a good, a good person. And so there was a lot of struggle, um, there. And so I grew up, you know, trying to impress him and trying to be this alpha male and trying to do all these things that he was, you know, kind of putting into my head. And I got myself into some bad spots with that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, early on, I figured out that I needed to challenge my own perceptions and that I needed to put myself in uncomfortable situations where I could grow. Um, and I, there was a number of books that I attribute that to, a number of mentors that I attribute that to, a number of movies, believe it or not, that I attribute that yeah. to. I kind of have this, I have this mastermind in my head, right, of real fiction, real and fictional um, characters that I go to for advice in my head, you know, I go to, it's like, Hey, what would this person do? What would this person do? Some of those people are real. Some of them are not, but it helps inform, you know, I've always admired certain things about certain people. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to take that. I want to take that trait on. And so I need to put myself in these uncomfortable spots where I can continue to grow. So, um, you know, very early on as a teen, I started putting myself in uncomfortable situations. I hated public speaking. So I made sure I got up to speak. I'd I didn't like confrontation, so I made sure I got myself in martial arts and I actually put myself in a cage and, and had fights, you know, in the cage in front of thousands of people. Um, I put myself in any of these funky situations that I could just to make me get over the concept of fear. I, I really don't believe in fear whatsoever. Danger is very real, but I don't believe fear is real. It's just a mindset, and I wanted to get past it by facing it. And so, you know, it's been this year after year after year of doing that. So you know, when I get to this spot where I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be uncomfortable again. And people are going to be upset about this again. It, you know, at that point, it doesn't matter anymore because I'm used to being uncomfortable and coming out the other side, victorious and stronger, um, you know, because of that and more comfortable uh, in knowing my own skin because of that too. And so for me, this was another one of those situations where I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be uncomfortable for a little bit, but I know what happens on the other side of, of discomfort and it's growth. Um, yeah. And so let's, let's, let's go, you know? So to adapt, you had to adopt a lot of schools of thoughts. And in it, yeah. like Matt says, there, some of them are very conventional, right? So yeah. you yeah. are getting mentorship, you're reading books on personal growth yeah. or other books, yeah. books that stimulate personal growth. But For some sure. of it is 
you know, movies. I gain a lot of my shit from movies. There are some so crazy. great yeah. movies out there yeah. that really yeah. tell stories and convey messages. And if before yeah. anybody gets into like, I don't know, the reality is the movies are telling the story before it actually happens in real, before we see it. Sorry. That's the reality before we so actually true. see it. Right. And so, true. so yeah. now you move forward and you find yourself where? Where's kind of the next evolutionary period for you where things start to really roll and take off? Well, I mean, we start, you know, I was really getting ready to start the school. I was legitimately happy because my speaking career had, had really started to take off. So I was making good money there. So I was going, okay, that, that in of itself, because I was driving myself to get better and better and better on the speaking circuit. And I was starting to make lots of money and get booked. Um, so I'm going, okay, well, this is going to afford me the opportunity to really make sure we're doing the school right. And I don't have to take families that I don't think fit. And, you know, I can hold on to that integrity of what we're building. And so, you know, I legitimately could approach that with the mindset of, man, if we get 10 kids that are dialed in, you know, two of those being two of my three oldest that are school age now, like I'm good, I'm good with 10. If we can just start there, start small. Um, but the, and, and, the more I started telling people in the community about it and having these conversations, and the more, ironically enough, I started telling families, no, I'm sorry, you're not the right fit, the more word started to spread in this community. And next thing that we know, we launch with almost 60 kids. And by the end of the year, we've you know continued to jump. And the feedback we're getting from our families is, I have a different child at home. They are self-confident. They're responsible. They're you know, taking on things at home. They want to go to school every day. They're, you know, we're starting to hear this. And so then we open our second year, you know, essentially completely full um, and, and, you know, had to move out of the building that we started in into two buildings. We're now having to move again into one giant massive building because we're just continuously outgrowing our space. And that's just because of the success that these kiddos are having. Um, you know, and so, and we, we just had a business fair this last week, every one of our kids ages five to 18 started a business and they brought their product or service to the market. Oh yeah. Um, I saw well, your live on that. I think there was so two girls making pasta. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I have that. Yeah. They were making pasta right there on right there. You guys fresh For pasta. Sure. It was insane. Sure. It was rad. We had some kiddos making, I mean, we had some people that had made, um, we had a kid that had made, custom cornhole boards. We had, I mean, we had so many different ideas. It was ridiculous. Those kids, I think the the kid that I heard made the least amount of money, probably made, you know, 35, 40 bucks and he's five. So he's like to him, that's all the money in the world. We had a couple kids make over $2,000 in a three hour time period. And this is part of their school project, right? Is And that's their money, man. It's not ours. That's theirs. They earned it. It's their business. So wait, let me stop you here. I got, I I have to, because what I've just heard is you have taught them to be self-sufficient, build you. So innovation, self-sufficiency, right? You help them to budget because God knows nobody taught me how to fucking budget back then. Right. And so, you know, what, what do these kids come out of these fairs like at the end of the day? What does it look like for them? I mean, that's a real learning experience, right? Not only are they fired up, I mean, and that, of course, they're going to be fired up. The kid's going to be fired. The kids those ages are going to be fired up with 20 bucks, you know, and never mind 2,000. I mean, they don't even, some of them can't even comprehend, you know, how much money they actually made. Um, so they're, they're fired up and with all, and that's great. Like, I'm all for how, how excited they are at the end of this, but I sleep even better at night because I know that. 
10 years from now, 15 years from now, that same kid that just made $2,000 this weekend will still remember that very weekend and remember all the lessons learned. And it will support him in making a decision when he's 25 and pulling the trigger on something, right? Like that's that's where I get excited because he's going to have that up here, not just the cash there because that cash will be gone by then, but he's going to have the lessons up here that's going to shift his view that's going to make him go out and be a leader of other people. And that's that's where all the good stuff is. So I want to talk to that uh, talk about that for a quick second here with you guys. Yeah. And that and very specifically, he's talking about exactly what I talked to you guys about in terms of the developmental stages, right? So you are the most impressionable when you are in your younger stages, your developmental years, right? And that's where you totally. guys form those memories, right? High emotion, high intensity of an event, form into a memory, lodged in your subconscious. Then you come knocking on your therapist's door, my door, somebody else's door, programs to get that unraveled when you are in your 20s, in your 30s, sometimes in your 70s, right? It's It takes forever. And so that becomes the foundational piece of who you are and how you act, right? So having that type of emotional regulation through experiences is a whole new breed of fucking everything, isn't it's it? A whole new, it's a whole new person, man. And that's it. We're changing where we want to literally change. You know, I don't, you know, our, we talk about being in a hero's journey and, and getting these kids ready to find a calling that will change the world. And that sounds very grandiose. It sounds very cliche to say, go out and change the world. And, uh, you know, I don't, but the reality is I'm going to at least change local culture. I'm going to at least that's change it. the culture of wherever every single one of these kids ends up, right? We're going to change the culture because we're going to create these other leaders that are going to go forward and change the culture. And so and I don't think that's um, too much of a goal or, at all because that's yeah. the reality of what's going to happen. I so appreciate you mentioning that it seems like such a grandiose idea because to some degree, when I say it even on lit, you know, go and change the world, be global change makers, right? It sounds right. like such right. a fucking farce and wow, she's just talking, totally. you know? But at the totally. end of the day, it's actually not that grandiose. It is so minuscule comparative to the constraints you're living under, right? That's grandiose. So true. And that's so a farce. True. Like, that's it. It's crazy to me. So now you're getting these guys to think in the way of, hey, you're not limited. You're actually limitless. You know, you know what this reminds me of is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So oh, that's sure. exactly sure. what I base my coaching on. And you yep. literally have yep. built these kids up each stage of the pyramid, I would say. That's exactly it. I mean, that is, that's part of our, that's, that's literally it. That's part of our, our framework. Okay. So two nerds right here, right now, but cool nerds, just putting it out there. Okay. There's, <laughs> so we think, so we think just saying a little, you know, brushing the shoulder, but really, if you take, if you go back to the needs um, episode and you take a look at that pyramid, it is everything that we as humans strive on, right? It goes from basic all the way to self-transcendence, which is obviously to some, oh, it's such a woo-woo experience. But really what we're trying to get you to do is recognize that self-actualization is a real fucking thing, right? And Matt works it's with not only kids. Is it, a real thing, it is the thing. It is the thing. Like that's what Maslow is saying, but it is the look at you. You are self-actualized right now. That actually I would say that you are hovering between self-actualization and self-transcendence probably. Yep. yep. Right? I, mean, I think so. that's it, exactly. And that's where the seamlessness comes in. I mean, I really, you know, I really truly believe that and that is legitimately that is that is the end goal for every single person that we have through these doors. 
Every single. It's oh, it just blows my mind. It makes me so happy to know that there is a program that is producing emotionally regulated people, like little human beings who get to control the outcome or their destiny. Right? It's not just some facade or some words that, like you know, the monk is saying on top of a mountain. Like these are real things, right? Right. And it looks different for every person. Like not every one of those kids is going to be a CEO. Some of those kids are going to end up being just maybe a parent or maybe yeah. they're going to have like mowing lawns or just because sure. I'm looking out the window and I can only see sure. lawns right now. But sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. And I literally don't care. I mean, that's it. We literally could, I could care less what they end up doing, but the ROI is happiness, right? They're going to be happy. They're going to be fulfilled. They're going to feel like they are living the life they have designed themselves and it's what they want and it's what they have, you know, they, they feel like they are meant to do. I don't buy, you know, everybody says, well, not everybody should be an entrepreneur. I agree. Not I agree. Should be an entrepreneur, but every one of them benefits from the entrepreneurial mentality of continuing to grow, persevering, overcoming obstacles, understanding a lot of times the obstacle is the exact thing that you need the most, learning how to provide value, how to continuously be agile and adapt. Everybody can benefit from all of those things, no matter what. If you're going to be a CEO, you benefit from it. If you're going to mow lawns, you benefit from it. If you're going to be a housewife, you benefit from it. You're going to be a, you know, like you benefit from it and all of those things, a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause it comes out of your pores, right? At the end of the day, you literally shine with that confidence. You literally resonate with happiness. So you're being it out to everybody and it impacts your community all around you, right? Like think about this guy. Let's think about Matt for a second. Okay. He and I didn't know each other from butt fuck nowhere. Like we had absolutely (laughs) zero idea of who each other were. Right. And then here we are two individuals who, well, at least I for certain had my eye on this guy's message. And I'm like, for sure, I need to know more. And as you came on to understand what I did, you were like, damn, this is great, yep. right? It's, an, it's totally. an adult version of yep. your little kid version in a totally yep. different way. So let's yep. collide. And now look yep. at us giving you guys the practical knowledge you need, whether you're a kid, whether you're an adult, it's all the same fucking thing. It doesn't change. There is one right. ROI and that's happiness. So true. So true. And it's very, I mean, it ends up being very basic. You know, it's never... It's never an easy thing, but it's very, very simple. It's very basic. It gets to that self-actualization. And, um, you know, I mean, you're right. We're doing, we're doing the same thing. We're on the same exact timeline. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And all you're doing is you're working with what these guys inherently have inside. They didn't develop these skills later in all these other, they, they honed in on these skills that you guys were able to, you know, see by them being naturally themselves. Not filtered yep. versions, not versions yep. that, you know, your mom wants to see, your aunt wants to see, your uncle wants to see, but versions yep. of themselves who now get to take those skills that typically, depending on who you are, are told to be dormant, right? You don't right. listen, you don't get an opportunity to say that, you know, don't make that noise. Don't be that human being. No, be all of that. And let's see yep. what that does for you. And that's the beauty of it. That's it. That's exactly it. Wow. Okay. So before we head off, because this has been a deep ass conversation that people really need to understand, because if you're coming in new to Lit, this is everything Lit's about. If you're coming, uh, you know, after a few episodes, you already know this is all all that it's about. And if you're going to come back, know that I'm bringing you all of this over and over and over until you get it into your skull 
that this is the point. There is meaning to life. There is more. And you are meant for so much more. And you can do it by being just happy. If you just seek what makes you happiest, that's it, right? So good. So good. Okay. So tell me, you're in California. Tell everybody a little bit more of how they can find you, find Acton, and, and kind of if they were interested in hearing you speak, where do they go? How do they figure out your next date? That's awesome. I appreciate that. So, um, you know, like I said, I kind of run two hats. So I run, you know, I've got a, a kind of a, a social media person that I brought on now to really kind of handle all of the website, social side of, of both sides of my business. So, um, you know, people can go to, you can find me at Matt Baudreau on all the platforms. I mean, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's just my name, um, Matt Baudreau. You can find Acton Academy Placer at exactly that one. Um, you know, LinkedIn, YouTube, IG, we just go underneath that name. The website is Acton, A-C-T-O-N. It's not action. Everybody thinks action for sure. Um, and I see why, but it's Acton Academy Placer, P-L-A-C-E-R.com. Um, and I'll do a lot of the stuff as far as my speaking. A lot of times that ends up being private clients. And so sometimes things get, you know, released, sometimes they don't, but you can go to actually my website, that Matt at mattbodro.com and you can request um, to talk about, you know, any kind of speaking stuff there, but we're on every major platform and I'm glad to connect anywhere anybody's comfortable. And, um, you know, a lot of times it just ends up being a conversation and I'm good with that too. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Spell your last yeah. name for everybody because it is a, it is a French ba- name, you guys. It is a funky <laughs> name. Yeah, it is. So everybody in Louisiana's probably already got it, but everybody else needs help. So yeah, totally. It's so first name, you know, Matt, M-A-T-T. And then the last name is B-E-A-U-D-R-E-A-U. I love it. I love it. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking Super with you, Matt. Fine, I no, love it. A hundred percent mine. And, and thank you for having me, but thank you more about, you know, for, for the work that you do. It's, it's important stuff. And I'm super glad to have people like you on the same team. I love it. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been an awesome episode. And if you were able to grab anything out of it, you know what it is. It's happiness, right? That self-actualization is real. It's real. You need to achieve it. That's how you're going to attain all those things that you want. And those things that you want, they're real. They're not, you know, against the grain. What you live today is against the grain. Walk into your truth, be who you are, and see the happiness unfold. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lit. I am so grateful to have you as an audience member. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to hit subscribe and leave your review. For more resources, tips, and tools, head over to www.ravitour.co. I'll be back with another episode next week. But until then, stay lit.